Super Talk Mississippi media production. All free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Friday to you, Golden Eagle fans. Wherever you are joining us, we appreciate you hanging with us for this next hour as we talk Southern Miss sports. It's the Eagle Hour on this Friday from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Luke Johnson, Kelly Sander. Will Tony producing for us today. He's with Kelly in Hattiesburg. I'm in Laurel. Happy to have you along. Kelly, uh, before we talk baseball, we have a really cool interview coming up later in the show. Yes, we do. Hattiesburg businessman Ike Thrash, who actually finished his uh, degree at uh, Southern Miss back in the day. He and his family have done well in the real estate development business, but then got involved in horse racing. And the Thrash family uh, from Hattiesburg, as we mentioned, have had a couple of horses in the Kentucky Derby. And we're going to talk about the significance of uh, Rich Strike's win last weekend. And he's going to put into perspective exactly what happened last weekend and uh, a fascinating look inside a very protected world of uh, horse racing with a Southern Miss guy, Ike Thrash, coming up later on. Good stuff. Uh, happy to have you along, whether you're, uh, you're listening and catching this letter in podcast or you're listening to us live. Baseball this weekend, huge. Not just because it's the next on the schedule. Uh, this game, this series will, will possibly uh, determine the regular season conference USA championship. UTSA Roadrunners come to down first pitch tonight at 6.30. Tomorrow at 2. Sunday's been bumped up to 11 a.m. Joining us now, the uh, color analyst for the ESPN Plus broadcast all year long, former Southern Miss pitcher. Cliff Russum and uh, Russum uh, Clifford, you're just like us. Uh, you got that that face uh, uh, for radio. They don't show y'all's face as much. But has it been pretty fun with Castleman and Jason Baker this year? Man, yeah, you you are no no doubt about that, Luke. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a blast. And and you know the question I've gotten is how I got involved and, and got into it. And my answer has always been that there was a long list of people that told them no before they got down <laughs> to me. And uh, but it, it's been a blast. It's it's been great. Uh, kind of getting back around the college game, and you know I've, I've watched so much four and five and six and seven year old baseball with my son over the last couple of years. That uh, I've loved just getting back around the college game. It, it has changed so much, and, and just kind of being able to talk to the coaches and pick their brains. It's been a blast. Well, if it makes you feel any better, the only reason Kelly Sander and I do this, uh, the Eagle Hours, because no one else applied for it. So it's uh, got to get something going there, too. Also, uh, Ke- uh, I, Kelly, so so Cliff of his own admission isn't a good interview, so we're going to have to uh, to make this thing work in the first segment. All right, uh, I want to I want to bury Wednesday night, but I do want to ask a specific question. And, Kelly, if I, I was out yesterday, Cliff, with, with class. And so, Kelly, did you all talk about the, the fair foul call down down the left field line? We did not. We did not talk so about this that. This is a question, and, and you can I'll just let you comment generally on Wednesday, but specifically, you know, the play I was talking about where it gets called foul down the left field line, Charlie Fisher sees it called foul, he jogs over, and it's overturned, and it turns into a double and, and Ole Miss got a run on that later in the game. I'd really never seen one like that where basically an extra base is given because of an overturned call. Yeah, and, and kind of a unique play there, like you said, Luke. But 
Yeah, we talked about it on the broadcast. I mean, to me, it's just important they got the call right, which they did. Uh, and then Jason certainly mentioned about how Fisher may have checked up. And honestly, I don't know if he did or not. And that ball is usually going to be a duck. Look, I, I'm just glad it didn't become a, a integral part of the game and a, and a big part, a difference in the game. But, yeah, it certainly was unique, especially behind the bag like that. But uh, it was it was clearly a fair ball, and they got the call right. And that's all you can ask in the end. I know Southern Miss fans aren't going to love hearing that, but, but sure. to me, that's what's important. Getting the, the call, the call right. was right. I just it, it was very frustrating to me to, to yeah. see the extra I mean, base. All right, Wednesday night over. UTSA comes into town. Um, your thoughts? The urgency needed from the Golden Eagles uh, this weekend? Well, yeah, they, look, it, there's no doubt about it, and and it's a huge series. And and like you said in the intro, it's not just because it's the next one on the schedule. It's because there's there are two games behind us in, in the race for that that conference USA regular season championship. And that is, look, make no doubt that that is goal number one going into the season is you want to win the conference. And, uh, and usually if you do that, the rest kind of takes care of itself, but man, they're, they're look, they're not going to, they're not flashy. They're not going to stand out on paper to you, but they're, they're a really good team and all, they win. I mean, that's, that's the best thing you can say about a team, right? Is that they find ways to win. They've won 19 out of their last 25 games. Uh, they hit really well. They're they're top, I think, twenty twenty five in the country in batting average, hitting over three hundred as a team. Uh, pitching, they're not dominant, but they pitch enough to win. Uh, and and certainly, you know, we've we've got our work cut out for us all weekend. Cliff, I know since you have seen a lot of five, six, and seven year old baseball, you're the perfect candidate be the, to be the color analyst on ESPN Plus because if you didn't know the game before. Listening to these five, six, and seven-year-old parents, they know everything there is to know about baseball, right? There, there is no doubt about that. I know you've got experience in that as well, but man, it's, it's been some of the best years of my life and able to coach my son and, and kind of introduce him to the game that I grew up loving. And I want to ask you, because there's a lot of Southern Miss fans ready to jump off the Interstate 59 bridge over the, the play of the Eagles the last couple of weeks. And I keep telling everybody, just uh, calm down. This is a good team. They're going to prevail. They're going to win the conference championship. What say you to, to the naysayers and the doomsday people that think it's all over, that Southern Miss, that this ship is sinking? I, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question because I was hoping I was going to have that opportunity. But, I, look, it's, look, are they playing their best baseball right now? No, absolutely not. But – now is not the time to give up on this team, and this team is special. They 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 pitch it better than any staff I can remember at Southern Miss, and, and the numbers say that, right? And uh, they need the support of of this fan base. And and uh, you know, has there been some frustrations and struggle over the last ten games? Sure, absolutely. But they also rolled off fifteen in a row, and they have that ability to do that again. And you know, it's just important to get high at the right time, and it's, they're not going to do that without the support of the fans. Uh, and to me, they got to get healthy. And they, they they need to get reshuing back in that lineup. Uh, and and you know, you look at that 15 game winning streak; it was the same lineup day in day out. And to me, in baseball, that is just pivotal. It's so important, and and that's what they're missing right now. Right to me, that's been the biggest thing. But look, you roll off a win tonight, maybe, and and get a couple this weekend, if not a sweep, and you get some confidence. And and we all know what that does in baseball. Speaking of a certain number 38, a 5'10", 191-pound junior outfielder from Mobile, Alabama, there is chatter. There is strong, strong chatter, gentlemen, 
that number 38 will make an appearance. Uh, I, I heard he took batting practice yesterday, and uh, and I was told earlier today that there is a likely chance that Reese Ewing will play tonight. Cliff, how does that change? Yeah. Kelly, I want your comments also. I, I'm certainly not going on the record with that, Luke, but I, I've kind of heard the, the same thing, that maybe we could expect him at some point this weekend. Now, if that's tonight, that's great. Uh, but they, they do. They need to get him back in that lineup. He's hitting over 300. He's a huge part of that offense. Uh, and it, there's just been a hole there without him. And you, and you see it in Coach Barry's. You know, he's moved some guys around trying to figure out that lineup that, that's most productive. Uh, and I think Reese Ewing fills that big hole. Coach Barry has said on this program that the chemistry is just a little bit off with Ewing, not in the lineup. But he, he has also said that Reese Ewing aside, he will never put a player – in a physical situation, unless he's 100% ready to go for fear of injuring them further. So the importance of Ewing being in the lineup is well taken, but I don't think Scott would play him unless he was 100% ready to go. So I, I hope that is the case on all fronts, um, because then well, they are a different with team. With an injury like his on, on a hand, I mean, that, that's, it's a fragile area, the right. hand and, and one wrong swing or one more ball up there, and, yeah, you lose him for the season probably. So, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Cliff, um, can I ask Cliff real quick? Um, you're a lot like Landon Harper, Cliff, and I coached you in American Legion back in high school. You were the type of guy that wanted the baseball in the most key situations, knowing you could live in the outhouse or the penthouse. What is it about your personality that, that you wanted the ball in those situations? And am I right comparing you to Landon Harper in that way? Well, Landon Harper's a lot better than I ever was. But, but yes, mentality, I, yeah, you want that baseball. And if you don't, look, I mean, I, I think all those guys on that staff and, and the team want to be in that position. And that's just what you get with typically with a Division One athlete is they've all been put in that position before. Uh, but it's just a drive. It's a will to win is what it is. And it's a uh, it, it's a, a, a God-given ability, in my opinion, that, that you can't coach, you can't teach. It's just either you want to be in that situation or you don't. And to me, Coach Oz has got several guys that want to be in that position. Dalton Rogers is the same one. Uh, he's another one that wants that ball. You can just tell it in his mentality. They just kind of have that bulldog mentality when they're up on that mound. And I've talked on that all year. The composure is just – it's off the charts with this staff. And I, I asked Coach Oz, I was like, is that something – you, you go over and you discuss with these pitchers. Is that something you guys coach on? And, and he said it absolutely is. Hey, Cliff, um, you got just a couple more minutes. We'll keep you for a whole next segment. Can we, yeah, can we go a little sure. longer with this? All right, we'll yeah. take a break. Be back with Cliff Russell, former Southern Miss pitcher. You know that voice. He's the color analyst on the ESPN Plus broadcast for Southern Miss baseball. Eagle Hour continues on Friday right after this. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. In Hattiesburg and Laurel, that first segment, as always, every day, brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue, located in a community near you. Coming out to the Pete this weekend. 
Go get some Dickies. Eat it at the ballpark. Dickies. Cooked here. Loved everywhere. Second segment brought to you by Campus Bookmark on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg or online whenever you want to go there, 24-7, campusbookmark.net. Luke Kelly and Will Tony from uh, Hattiesburg and Laurel. Cliff Russell, former Southern Miss pitcher and integral part of the ESPN Plus broadcast for Southern Miss Baseball, joins us. All right, we were uh, we were live in Hattiesburg on Wednesday, Cliff, and um, talking to Daniel Stewart, he had a great quirky uh, story. Uh, Coach Palmer, after he gave up, like, uh, I think Daniel gave up, like, six runs against Ole Miss in the first three innings. Corky says, well, you're just going to have to eat it. I ain't sending anybody else out there. And, and Daniel uh, went the rest of the way. And I know the other night on the broadcast, you and Castleman were talking about a, a game that y'all put together. Corky, ever tell you that? Hey, hey Cliff, uh, you, you, I'm not sending anybody in. you got to deal with this. Well, look, there's there's one thing you can say about Coach Palmer, and it's you always knew where you stood with him, and uh, that was on the field and off. And, and yeah, no, he, he would be as honest as he could. Um, but Daniel Stewart also had a really great curveball, so it doesn't surprise <laughs> me that, that he finished that game. I think he struck out eight uh, the rest of the way. All right, this weekend, Southern Miss, really painful, and there's a couple things that go into this. The RPI drops to 26. Part of that is because of the loss. Part of that is because of the other teams that Southern Miss has beat falling out of the quad one window. Southern Miss had as many as like 10 quad one games, 12 quad one games. Now they're, they've only got six, and they're two and four against those. UTSA right now in, uh, is 59 in RPI. And, and Cliff, when you look at Jack released uh, the notes yesterday, y'all might have some, some updates. We have no idea who's starting for UTSA. TBA in all three games, Hall, Riggins, and Waldrop. As an offense, how do you approach that? Well, they, and they, they have released that. Uh, I know we got that information today. They're starting uh, a sophomore, uh, the right-hander, Daniel Garza, and then uh, tomorrow is uh, a junior, Luke Malone, who's through, thrown for them uh, every, every conference series. Uh, Sunday is still TV, you know, to be determined. But um, I mean, look, offensively, what you know, it's all confidence, Luke, and, and they've just got to have a few things going for them, uh, go their way. And, and we talked to Coach Hallmark, UTSA's coach, yesterday, and I love it. He was kind of talking to his team, but it, it related to Southern Miss. He said, you know, usually when you're seeing the ball well and, and, and you're hitting well, you're swinging at good pitches and you're laying off the bad pitches. And he said, and it's just the opposite. When you're struggling, you're typically swinging at the bad pitches, and you're you're watching good pitches. And I, that sounds so simple, but hitting philosophy, I mean, it, it can be simple, and it needs to be simple. And I think that's a lot of what, specifically Wednesday night, what we saw is, is um, you know, look, McDaniel, the starter for Ole Miss, had a, had a good, really good spin rate curveball and, and a swing and miss guy. But, uh, you know, I kind of saw it maybe pressing a little bit and, and and starting to swing at some pitches we wouldn't typically swing at, but I think that's what it is. That you got to just kind of simplify the process and and have a few things go your way. Uh, we all know hitting is contagious, and I know I'm throwing out a bunch of cliches, but it's the truth. But the other thing is, when when you look at at something like this, is it's a case of trying too hard, and and some people don't believe that Cliff that that they're actually in sports is trying too hard. Or am I wrong? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't think you're wrong. And and but you know, I'm, I'm never going to fault somebody for for trying too hard, coach. And and um, I, I think more than that, it, it's just a confidence. And and you 
you get a little doubt crept in your mind if you got a runner in second and third with less than one out and you don't get him in in a couple innings and then you kind of start to doubt yourself and look that stuff matters i mean that whole mindset matters and it's just like anything else you know if if you're confident in something you're you're typically going to be better at it but they shouldn't but but when it comes to doubt i mean lots of times people and and i've said when people have asked me about this team i'm not trying to be curt or or cut people short but i just say these guys know what they're doing let them do their job and and sometimes people put a lot more into this than there really is. These guys are good and know what they're doing. You're going to have good days and you're going to have bad days. That's part of the game, any game. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. And and uh, I, again, I know that's cliche, but that's baseball. I mean, it, even the the best hitters, the Hall of Fame hitters, get out you know seven times out of ten. Right. And uh, it's a game of failure. And and again, I know you hear that over and over in baseball and. Uh, but that, it's the truth. It's a game of failure, and, and you got to learn to deal with failure. Uh, and, and how you respond to that typically is, uh, is is bigger than anything. The um the approach UAB took a couple of weekends ago, Cliff. Uh, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times on the show, but you know when you looked in the numbers, they didn't walk. We didn't walk hardly anybody, and yet they they hit us a lot. And when you look at the pitch count for Hall Riggins. And Waldrop, they were all high pitch counts, which tells you that the pitch count wasn't a result of the walks. It was it was swinging late in the count. And it seems as if, you know, the last few weeks this team's been struggling. I mean, we've been taking hacks early in the count. We've been given easy outs. We kind of figure it out around the fifth or sixth inning and get a little patient. But, you know, I like that approach from UAB. Force the pitch count up when you look in the fifth inning. You may have a guy at 70 pitches already, and you got to go to the bullpen. Eagles need to do that this weekend. Well, and, and I'll be honest, Luke, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know that that's our natural approach for a lot of our guys. You, you look at Gabe. Gabe doesn't see many pitches he doesn't love, and he's up there hacking. Uh, and it's just one of the, look, if, if you're hitting and, you, and you're, you're winning 15 in a row, it's a great approach, right? If you're losing a couple and you have a couple of struggles at the plate, then, then that becomes an issue. Uh, I, I don't, I mean, in my opinion, I don't think you change your approach uh, because that's what's gotten you to this point. Uh, I think you, you just, you got to string together a couple hits, manufacture some runs, get some runs across the plate, and then all that goes away. Now, but what Luke, about you, you're talking let, about? Let me, go, let me follow yeah, up one, one more. But like, what what is concerning though is you look at Old Dominion, you look at the other night, like runners in scoring position, and that that's been a real tough stat this entire year for the Golden Eagles. Even what they've been winning, you just look like you know you're not you're not getting you're not swinging at good pitches. Uh, one of the Saturday against Old Dominion, you, we were hitting on the screws. But I'm saying, is, is there any truth to that, though, being a little more patient, waiting for your pitch, especially with runners in scoring position? Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I think there is. Um, but my point is you're not going to necessarily change what you've done to this point. And, and, look, I mean, as long as you're swinging at strikes and swinging at pitches, you can drive. Uh, if you got that runner at third base with less than two outs, you're obviously trying to get something in the outfield to get him home, and you're looking for a good pitch to do that. Um, but, but yes, I mean, I, I do think, you know, they need to find a way to, to get in some bullpens a little earlier, uh, to your point of the pitch count, uh, whether that's running them out from hitting or, or running that pitch count up. And here's something that I tell kids, even at age eight and nine years old, I think everybody, even at that age, gets too caught up in getting a base hit or getting a double. There is such a thing as a good at bat that does not result in you reaching first base. Let me say that again. You can have a good at bat 
and not wind up at first base. You can go up there. You might wind up, you know, fouling out to the first baseman or even striking out. But if you wore the pitcher out and took him seven, eight, 11 pitches deep, that's a good at bat. That is a good at bat. And I think that's, I'm not trying to speak for Luke, but I think that's kind of where UAB was at. They had good at bats when they went yeah. up there. So I tell kids all the time, don't, wor- don't get caught up in whether you got a single, a double, or a home run. Have a good at bat. No, that's a, you're, no you're, 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 you're spot on. You're exactly right. Um, about a minute and a half left, Cliff. Um, biggest, and I guess this is the falls up that way, And what is the balance with, like, passion and verse, you know, calmness, um, zeal versus, you know, just taking care of business. I think the other night, and at some points this season, a few, you know, fans have just been kind of frustrated. I know Danny Lynch took control. I saw on the broadcast, uh, you know, times that Coach Barry's really got in the dugout. But, you know, what's the balance of that as a baseball player, really lighting a fire under people or doing it to the point where we were talking about a minute ago, you know, you push people to try too hard? Yeah, I think you got to read the situation, and, and that's where your leadership comes into play, right? You got Will McGillis, a captain, Danny Litch, a captain, and typically it's going to be those guys, those guys that other people rely on for that leadership. They 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 know when when to get on somebody and when not to get on somebody. Man, it, it's just part of the game and and part of why they're leaders and why they're the captains. Uh, sometimes you know, and look, you got to get another person too. There's guys out there that you can ride and, and maybe ride a little harder, and then there's guys you can't. Uh, who may lose that confidence. And to me, kind of reading those guys, and that's what Coach Barry does phenomenally. Coach Barry is a player's coach. He knows how to do that more so than anybody I've ever been around in the game of baseball. Good stuff. Well, Cliff, we appreciate your time, your expertise. Senior night tonight at uh, at the Pete, so be sure you come out and celebrate uh, these guys, especially Gabe Montenegro. Kelly, how many years have you been in the program? What, are we at 22 now? Which... Well, let's go to the tote board. We're switching numbers. As it's like the Jerry Lewis telethon numbers. It's 23. <laughs> <laughs> 2,800,000. Cliff, we appreciate it, man. Have a great call this weekend. Thanks for being yeah, on the Eagle Hour. Yeah, appreciate you having me. It's Cliff Russell, former Southern Miss pitcher, and you'll hear him on the ESPN broadcast uh, this weekend. Hopefully you're in the Pete yelling because we need you tonight, 630 Kelly Horse Racing coming up next. We're going to find out from a USM guy who knows all about the Kentucky Derby because his family has put some horses in the race, and he's going to put into perspective what Rich Strike's victory meant to horse racing and athletes as a whole when the Eagle Hour continues in a moment. Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill, the place that everybody pregames if you're a Southern Miss fan before the baseball game tonight, before football games, right down the road from both facilities, right across the Highway 49 Bridge. You can always get a cold beer, shoot a game of pool, and hang out with Southern Miss fans. And don't forget the 995 weekday blue plate lunch. Plenty of food and plenty of good fellowship at 4th Street Bar and Grill. We thank them for their support of the Eagle Hour. Joining us now in the Super Talk Mississippi hotline is Ike Thrash. When he was a kid, he was a Laurel Tornado, graduated from Macomb, 
Macomb High School, the Tigers. Shout out uh, to Macomb. Then went on to play collegiate baseball at Tulane where an injury put him on the sideline and he finished at Southern Miss. He and his wife Dawn and their family have been in the horse business, so to speak, for some 35 years. His horse, Line of David, named after his son-in-law, ran in the Kentucky Derby in 2010. As we welcome Ike Thrash, Ike, in, in talking about Rich Strikes win this weekend, and I'm paraphrasing, but you said it would be it would be a more realistic chance for you to perform brain surgery and it be successful <laughs> than for Rich Strike to have won the Kentucky Derby. Really? <laughs> I think that's true. The um, um, you know it, it's one of the one of the many reasons why they probably shouldn't have twenty horses in the Kentucky Derby. About once every 20 years or so, the last one was mine, that bird, you know, 15, 20 years ago, is that some horse barely qualifies and gets in. And, you know, again, about once every 20 years, all the good ones go head-to-head and kill each other off. And, uh, you know, and one that's not so good comes galloping up the rail and wins the Kentucky Derby. It doesn't happen very often. And and when and when you saw that race this weekend, Epicenter was was one of the horses battling for the lead spot. It was almost that those those top two horses, as you mentioned, ran each other to the ground, and then here comes Rich Strike out of nowhere. And it wasn't that the first that Rich Strike was really running fast. It's just the other two were wearing out. Yes. Yeah, the, the, the you know really almost all of them they went way too fast for a. You know, for a mile and a quarter race, especially when it's the only time any of them have ever run a mile and a quarter, they should run the first half mile in about 48 seconds, and they ran it in 45 seconds, Um, you know, which is 15 lengths in horse language. And, uh, you know, they all just tuckered out, and they were were just about standing still when he came by. But but one of the things you've also said is what's unique about this win by Rich Strike at the Derby is that it's, it's almost the proverbial middle finger to corporate America and to the 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 horse racing biz, kind of kind of tell us more what you meant by that. Well, the, the, you know, there's um, um, you know they syndicated a horse named Authentic that won the Kentucky Derby, you know, a few years ago, two or three years ago. I think there were three thousand partners, you know, and they probably had three four million dollars in it. There's you know there's an awful lot of sheiks and and you know arabian princes that that spend millions and millions of dollars every year you know to have horses like this and um rich strike they they claimed him out of a claiming race for thirty thousand dollars um the horse that won last year ultimately got disqualified but medina spirit sold at a horse sale for a thousand dollars and i think it's you know, I'm happy for the people that want it. Um, I think that it's I think that it's a good thing every once in a while to you know to realize that it's not just if it was a sport of kings, I wouldn't be in it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's um, you know that any anybody can have a good horse. Um, you know, it's not all about breeding and how much money you spend. Um, you know, every once in a while, there's just a freak that can run. Uh, Rich Strike can run. I, the only race he had ever won was that maiden claiming race. He ran, um, you know, he ran third in one of the points races for the Derby, and got, um, you know, got like twenty points for running third in one. And it was probably the worst of the prep races. And um, you know, but all that got him was to be, you know, we talked about this back when I had a horse in it. Is that 
so many of them, you know, get sick or hurt or they're not ready and, you know, they kind of drop out along the way. But there were three or four that dropped out, um, you know, like the week of the Derby. And then um, um, Rich Strike was actually on the also eligible list. I mean, he didn't even make the, you know, he didn't even make the race still. And on Friday morning, uh, they scratched the horse, and he drew in from the also eligible list. I mean, until Friday morning, he wasn't going to run there. Yeah, and, the, and he runs from the 21 gate, which is as far out there as you can get. Luke Johnson, Ike Thrash, has said before that uh, if anybody wants to get into the horse racing business, they should probably just go to a 15th floor window, take all of their money, and throw it out the window. <laughs> yeah, Ike, thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for being on today. Uh, we were talking during the break. Uh, real interesting about how you name your horses and uh, your most recent one that, that's won uh, Turner Loose, Maxine Machine. It seems as if uh, the name Dawn comes up a lot. Tell our listeners how the the horses are named. Well, we started. Uh, we didn't originally start out doing that, but um, we named. Um, uh, we picked out a really nice filly years ago, and. Um, we named it after my wife, Dawn. We named it Dawn after Dawn. And we should have named all of them after her because um, she was she won three-quarters of a million dollars and sold for a million dollars. She was really a nice horse. And then we had Sister Dawn and Dawn Before Dawn. And, uh, you know, uh, there was another one in there, uh, three or four of them in a row. And third Dawn was the other one. And um, they all were graded stakes winners, so we should have just named every one of them after her. <laughs> but once we, once we got into that, we, we started, uh, you know, we started just naming them after ourselves, our kids, our um, kids-in-law, and our grandkids. There's 22 of us all together, so we just basically follow in order and name after whoever's next. Lots uh, of names. We had most of the ones named after me can't outrun me, but uh, we had <laughs> we had one named uh, Hurricane Ike, and it was right when Hurricane Ike hit, and um, he won he won the Derby trial, and you know won uh, you know won some big races. He was actually headed to the Preakness and uh, was going to be second choice in the Preakness and got hurt that week. But uh, yeah, the rest of them named after me are were terrible, but uh, the one. We just had one ran in the Kentucky Oaks this year. She was named after my grandson, Turner. The horse's name was Turner Loose. She ran seventh in the Kentucky Oaks the other day. Great, great, uh, great names. Lots of uh, options there with, with 22 members of your family. I guess for the for the average you know listener uh, you know that that will watch the three big ones. You know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, all that it takes to qualify. I think Line of David qualified and ran in uh, 2010 in the Kentucky Derby. Just kind of tell our listeners, you know, the, the overview of that. I mean, it's a crazy process. Well, they have they have certain races. They used to do it differently. It's honestly better now. It used to just be based on earnings. So a lot of times you would have a, you know, a horse that won some early two-year-old stakes and, um, you know, really has no business in the Kentucky Derby, but they, you know, they would qualify. Now they do it in, in, in all the different prep races, um, the Santa Anita Derby, the Louisiana Derby, um, you know, the Wood Memorial in New York. And the winner gets 100 points and the runner-up gets 60 and the, and the third horse gets 40 or whatever. And they qualify that way. They had just started doing it that way. Line of David won the Arkansas Derby. Um, you know, it was a million-dollar race, grade one, whatever. He actually beat the winner of the Kentucky Derby in the Arkansas Derby. Um, and then when we got to the got to Churchill Downs, which happens a lot, it's a really 
quirky, deep, cuppy track. Um, when we got there, uh, the first time he worked, the trainer called and said, do you want to skip the derby? Uh, he hates the racetrack, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, nah, we might not be back again. Um, so he he lost to a horse in the Kentucky Derby that he had beat a month earlier. Ike, I know that I know that horse racing, and you kind of joke that horse racing is is just a side side thing for you and your family to enjoy. Um, but would would it mean something to you to win the Kentucky Derby, or is it is it just not that big of a deal? You know, honestly, um, I, I think I've told you this before, but my my CPA told me last year that we're eight thousand dollars behind after thirty five years, um, which is which is great. <laughs> yeah, that's, you don't want to make money. Have, I don't have to take care of a boat or join a country club or anything. <laughs> but um, the um, uh, it would it, you know honestly it would mean a lot um, more from you know just an accomplishment standpoint. Right. I mean, the money if if we won the Kentucky Derby, we'd just go out and buy ten horses that couldn't run. Um, so it, it, it would really just be more personal satisfaction than anything else. And as good as American Pharaoh was a couple of years ago, and I, I asked you this this morning, kind of put this in perspective, most people, even college kids today, say that, that Secretariat was the best horse that ever ran. Now, will, will in 20 years, 30 years down the road, will people say that American Pharaoh was better than Secretariat in about 30 seconds here? No, I don't think so. They they put a, a, the Belmont Stakes. They put the two races side by side on monitors, and uh, if they had run together, Secretariat would have beaten American Pharaoh by twelve lengths. And I think I think that's the funny thing is that you know going for. I mean, it's been fifty years since Secretariat won the Triple Crown, but he still has all three track records. And um, I don't I don't think there'll ever be another horse that does that. That's amazing. Ike Thrash, now Hattiesburg businessman, again, has that Southern, that Southern Miss diploma. I do. Yes. <laughs> Glad that it's hanging <laughs> on the wall. And thank you for your insight on what exactly it meant for Rich Strike to win the Kentucky Derby. And continued success. Ike, let's hope we get that Kentucky Derby win. Uh, I've got two Colts next year. You never know. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep us posted. When we come back, we'll make our weekend picks of the Conference USA Baseball Series. That's still to come as the Eagle Hour continues. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Next week on the program, Coach Jay Ladner of men's basketball will be joining us on Tuesday to talk about some of his recent signees and a reworking of his assistant coaching staff. That's next Tuesday. Jay Ladner will be with us. On Wednesday, among the guests will be the new volleyball coach at uh, Southern Miss. So a lot of things taking place next week. Bob Getty will be back on the air uh, rejoining us next Wednesday. So lots of things going on. This segment brought to you by D1 and DBAT Training Facilities in Hattiesburg. Now, if you have a racehorse, they're not going to be able to train your racehorse there, but they can get you as close to race shape as possible, whether you just want to get in shape physically for health reasons, or if your kids want to get better baseball and softball, they've got individual lessons available for you. They have a pro shop 
the cleanest, neatest sports training facility, state-of-the-art programs at D1 and DBAT on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg, just as you get off the Interstate 59 interchange. Luke Johnson is our is our draft master here, so to speak, when it comes to picking our weekend games. He's got the complete slate, and we are ready to prognosticate what might happen this weekend, Luke. Right before we get to that, just congratulations to four baseball players today. Tyler Stewart, Charlie Fisher, Danny Lynch, and Aubrey Gillentine. Kelly receiving their diplomas from the University of Southern Mississippi today. Uh, They were in their caps and gowns and degrees out on the Pete earlier. So congratulations to Tyler Stewart, Charlie Fisher, Danny Lynch, Aubrey Gillentine. Kelly, that's what it's all about with these guys. It is, and it's graduation week. And look, don't don't people will always complain about traffic in Hattiesburg today. This is a great moment for these kids and their families. Just understand the graduation is taking place today, and I think a couple of ceremonies tomorrow. Just chill, everybody. Take extra time if you need it, but help celebrate these kids. All right, uh, Conference USA standing. Southern Miss 18-6 and six with a two-game lead over UTSA at 16-8. and eight. La Tech and FAU three games back behind the Golden Eagles at 15 and 9, Charlotte Middle Tennessee at 14 and 10, Old Dominion at 13 and 11, UAB at 11 and 13. Marshall could win some at Old Dominion and get back in this thing, but uh Western Kentucky FIU Rice uh, already out of it. All right, here we go. Middle Tennessee 51 RPI at Rice 211 RPI. We'll get Will Tony in on this as well. Kelly, what you got? Man, I, w- I wish Rice would just win one of those. I-, I wish they would win just one. And I think they will. I- I- I'm, I'm going to take, obviously, the Blue Raiders to win, but gosh, two out of three. Two out of three for Blue Raiders? Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think Rice will get one. Okay. Yeah. They, may, may, they might slip up to get one, but. Yeah. <laughs> it might, they might back into it. <laughs> yeah. Middle Tennessee sweeps, gets that inflated head. The Eagles will crush them next week on the road. So I'm going to Middle Tennessee with the sweep. Marshall at Old Dominion. We want to be for Old Dominion. Why do you want to be for Old Dominion? Because you don't want Old Dominion to end up as the eight seed going into the Conference USA Tournament. Kelly. Yeah, but I, I don't want Old Dominion to win either. <laughs> but Marshall Marshall's not very good, just, just to put it bluntly. And um, problem is Old Dominion is that good. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I look for Old Dominion to probably sweep, even though it's on the road, huh? Yeah. No, it's it's in Northfolk. Oh, it is? Okay. Uh, this is a sweep for Old Dominion, then. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll go two out of three, because Marshall's been doing some crazy stuff from time to time. All right, Charlotte's in the top 25 at 85 RPI. They're at FAU 94. This is one of the key matchups this weekend. Charlotte's the hottest team in the league right now. I think they've won their last 12 in a row in conference. Um but they're at FAU, and FAU is real strong there. You know what? I'm going to take – I'll take FAU two out of three. I'm going to say Charlotte two out of three. You're going to say they're going to stay hot. Yeah. Okay. I'll say Charlotte two out of three. If they get two here, they'll they'll move up into, into third place. So I'll do Charlotte two out of three. FIU 210 RPI at UAB 84 RPI. UAB two out of three. I think UAB could sweep. I'll go UAB two out of three. Um, FIU surprised me last weekend on a few things. All right, Western Kentucky at Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech sweeps. I agree. Because it's Louisiana Tech and because these picks have no merit on their own, we're not even doing anything, 
Hilltoppers, <laughs> two out of three, baby. Yeah, I heard, There's I'm only on. one team that I hate worse than Western Kentucky and Conference USA, and it's That's Louisiana Tech. So, <laughs> and I'm, I, I'm just the opposite. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a big I'm I'm not a big Tech fan, but man, Western Kentucky, their fans have been so ugly to us over the years. Yeah. Um, but I just think Tech's, Tech's I respect a Lane team. Burrows, yeah. but I don't like La Tech. All right, biggest one of the weekend, obviously, 59 UTSA at 26 is RPI, 14th-ranked Southern Miss. UTSA has defeated number 2 Stanford this year, number 11 TCU. They beat Texas State, who's in the top 10. They took two out of three at Middle Tennessee. They swept Charlotte, took two out of three at Old Dominion, but lost two out of three at Louisiana Tech. What we got? Will, you go first. <laughs> you saw me text, and you go first. <laughs> Um, man, you know you know what I want to say. I mean, you know, I'd love to say that the Eagles will sweep this series, uh, but we're just not hitting the ball as as a team right now. Um, I don't I don't think UT San Antonio is is near as good as a team as Southern Miss. I'll I'll say two out of three for the Eagles. I'll I'll, I'll go with that. Okay. You only live once, baby. You got the broom <laughs> out. You got the broom you got out. Got the broom out. We All right. need it. And let's go. I hope let's you're go. right. I All hope these one-run losses. I hope Johnson living his best life. I hope you're right, <laughs> if brother. If we see 38 in the uh, in the lineup tonight or this weekend, lift your hands high. We're going to do this thing. All right, appreciate you joining us. Hope to see you at the Pete this weekend. Have a great weekend. We'll be back at 1. Got uh, On Monday, got great guests for you um, all of next week. For Kelly and Will, y'all have a great weekend. Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. top. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.